Great to see all you guys tonight. Rejoice. Christmas snuck up on me this year. I don't know about you guys. Did it sneak up on you this year? Man, it snuck. It's like even though the, the stuff was out back at Halloween, somehow it, it still snuck up on me. And, um, and it's kind of fun to have a lot of different things under the tree. You know, I like unwrapping a lot of different things. And so I got creative this year. And again, I don't know if, if you guys found yourself in this place or not, but I had to get creative and start just wrapping kind of normal stuff, like everyday stuff. For instance, Helga doesn't, she's not here, so I can tell you guys this as long as you don't tell her, because I don't want to ruin the look of surprise on her face, because, you know, I wanted to make sure she had some good things under the tree, and, and she's got, you know, some special things there, but, but I wanted her to have a lot to open to be excited to see a lot of presents there. So uh, she's been complaining about upstairs there's a bathtub uh, that's been clogged up, the drain's been clogged, and she's been after me to unclog it, so I got her Drano. <laughs> and so she's going to have, so I wrapped it. I thought, well, why bother, you know, let's not ruin it. Let's, I'll wrap it, put it under the tree, and then she'll have something to open. And, you know, she needed some things from the store, sent me shopping, so I, I got some things at the grocery store, and I picked up, you know, some light bulbs, and she's going to get those on Christmas morning, and just cool. Hey, but no, okay, so now you're thinking your pastor's really, she got me oatmeal. I know because I bought it for myself. <laughs> so she got me oatmeal. So it's just a real practical Christmas for us uh, around the Fedden house. And because um, Christmas can get so complicated. And I'm just, the older I get, the simpler I try to be and, and simpler I try to make things. And so I'm hoping tonight that I can just make the Christmas story simple. I mean, there's so many aspects to it. There's so many parts of it. We could talk about the Holy Family. We could talk about the prophecies. We could talk about Herod. We could talk about all different aspects. And I think all those things are good things. Mary and Joseph and Bethlehem and the manger and the inn and all these things, they're all part of the story. But they don't hit the bullseye. And so I think tonight my hope let me just tell you this, my hope when you leave here, and my prayer, for those of you that know the Lord, that have been saved, that are saved, that God would restore to you the joy of your salvation. Because I think we lose that. It gets lost in, in the Christmas season, it gets lost year round, and, and you've got to get the cards out, got to get the lights up, got to get the tree, got to get the gifts, and it's all so complicated. And we want to have joy, but we have forgotten why. And we sing all the songs about rejoicing. So again, it comes from David in Psalm 51. He says, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And for those of you here that somebody in your family dragged you here and uh, you figure this is kind of the place to be, I pray that God sneaks up on you tonight. And I pray that God would introduce you to the joy of being saved. So let's pray, and then I'll try to summarize the Christmas story with the Apostle Paul in a nutshell. Father, once again, we just come to you as we open up your word. I just ask that you would bring it to life, that this would not just be informational, or motivational. But I pray that, that, Lord, you would reach down inside of ourselves to the deepest part and touch us there. That some would be pricked there. 
would be uh, concerned. And others, Lord, for, for that joy that has been uh, stuffed or how we've got uh, our focus off of the right things, Lord, that you would restore, restore that to us. That somehow salvation would be enough. That if that's all you did, Lord, it would be more than enough. And Lord, I pray that you would speak powerfully through your word tonight as we celebrate once again the birth of our God and our hero, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We hear words used so often sometimes as Christian that they lose their meaning. It's kind of like when you have a smell. We had some um, uh, potatoes that were in the, the pantry for a while, and, and they were kind of tucked down on a, on a low shelf, and we began to smell this smell. You know, it's like, what's that smell? We couldn't find where it was coming from, and if a smell sticks around long enough, you kind of stop smelling it. Right? Maybe you have dogs or you're a smoker and you walk into your house and it smells fine to you, but someone else comes in and says, hey, what's that smell? The smell, I don't smell anything. Because you've got used to it, you've grown accustomed to it, so you don't even smell it anymore. Well, words are like that. We've become so accustomed to using them, saying them, that they sort of lose their impact. And one of those words is salvation. We, it's, it's really has lost its impact. And that's part of that restore to me the joy of my salvation. What is salvation? What does it mean? Well, that's what we're going to look at tonight. I'm going to read to you, and we're not going to hand out Bibles tonight. I'm going to hope that you just listen. I know we have a lot of little ones among us, so I'm not going to make this real long and drawn out. And we have lots more singing to do. Uh, The kids are going to share a song uh, at the end as well. So I'll move through this. I want to be concise but clear. 1 Timothy... Chapter 1, the Apostle Paul gives a a three-second Christmas message to his young apprentice, Timothy. It's the most beautifully concise summary of Christmas that I could really find. Uh, There's one there in Matthew that I've read already, but I think this is a beautiful one. And it's in 1 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 15. This is what Paul writes to young Timothy. He says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. Now we'll come back to that. Let me read that first part in another version. It says, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them all. And then here's one more version of the Bible that reads it, or writes it this way. This statement is completely reliable and should be universally accepted. Christ Jesus entered the world to rescue sinners. Now, a man named Adam Clark, commenting on this verse, said this is one of the most glorious truths in the book of God, the most important that ever reached the human ear or can be entertained by the heart of man. Why is Christmas so important to me? Tonight, I get to talk to you not just about my God, but about my hero, Jesus. And I didn't realize that till just recently. I'd forgotten. Jesus is not only my God, he's my hero. He's my hero because I was lost. You saw, you watched on the news a number of months ago, all the Chilean miners that were stranded, that were trapped. And the rescue efforts that ensued and the world watched on highly emotional as they were rescued. 
man, that was uh, emotional. It was exciting. It was nail-biting. Were they going to make it? Weren't they going to? We didn't know. We were watching the whole thing unfold as the rescue teams worked to get them. A number of years ago, I was in the mall with my family, Helga and the kids, and we were shopping, and we saw a little girl that was alone. And, and you know, sometimes you try to do the right thing, and it doesn't work out quite right. So we see this little girl alone, and, and we start to talk to her. Where's your mom? And well, I don't know. And so, oh boy, we, we better try to find her. So we take her, and we go try to find mom in the bathroom. And Helga's gone. I'm, sitting, I'm standing there outside of the, the bathrooms with this girl, and Helga's in the bathroom looking, say maybe her mom is in there. And while we had taken her over to the bathroom, the mom had another child that had gotten sick in the mall, and she took her out, took this other child out to, to clean him up, had vomited there in the mall. That's always a wonderful thing, isn't it, parents, when that happens? So she had made the great escape and left the other daughter there. So meanwhile, we take her to the bath, this other girl to find the mom in the bathroom maybe, and she comes back going, where's my daughter? And she gets them all police. And they come to the bathroom. And there I am with the girl. They don't know my... And they're about ready to cuff me. Said, no, no, no. She's, my wife's right here. And so they brought them on. And the look on the mom's face. The relief. The joy. Of seeing her daughter. Knowing, okay, she's safe. She's safe. We relate to being lost, don't we? We relate to rescue efforts. What's the gist of the Christmas story? It is the greatest rescue story ever written. And it's still being written even tonight, I pray. How's it begin? Well, first thing Paul says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of everyone's acceptance. That means that what Paul is about to say is true unequivocally. Don't try to say that ten times fast. And with certainty. And it should be, Paul says, accepted by everybody. Now, not everybody will accept it, but Paul thinks and believes that everybody should accept it. And I, too, believe everybody should accept it. Well, what is the first part of it? The first part of the rescue mission is that Christ Jesus came into the world. Now, he was born, but he wasn't created. He came into the world, but he didn't come into being. If you read John 1, and many of you guys know that passage, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning. So the Christmas story goes back to the beginning. Now, you watch the scientific shows. They say in the beginning there was nothing, and it banged and created everything. That's the the atheist God, the evolutionist God. His name is Bang. He's a big God. You think I'm kidding. That's true. I watched this show just last night called How the Universe Works. And the first, they come right off the bat and say, in, in the, you know, this is in the beginning, there was a big bang and the big bang created everything. Even though science says matter can not be created or destroyed, that doesn't matter. Somehow that didn't apply back then. So somehow in the beginning, there was nothing and this bang created stuff. Now, wh- where I'm from, bangs usually destroy stuff. But that's another story. But the Bible says in the beginning, that big bang I think it was the voice, the thunderous voice of God saying, let there be light. Boom. And light was. Because that word was God. That, that first impulse, that creative force in the beginning 
was God. And so when we read, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. The Word was God. And it's that Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. So was Jesus created when he was born? No, he, was, he is eternal. See, God, by definition, doesn't need to be created. We are used to things having a starting time and a stopping time and a beginning and the end. But God, by definition, is eternal. So when the Bible says Christ Jesus came into the world, it is the biggest mystery you will ever not be able to understand that God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, somehow packed all that into a fetus that was born in a manger in a little town called Bethlehem. I don't get that. I don't. I thank God I don't have to. I just believe him. But not just that he was born into this, not that just he, he was not created, but he came into this world. It amazes me that he would, doesn't it? I mean, we like to stay our, out of other people's messes. I mean, we, we like our own personal peace. As long as my life is good and everything's okay in my world, I don't want to get involved in your mess. And some people believe God is like that. We call it deism. That's a fancy word that means God created stuff and, and us, and it became a mess, and he's just kind of sitting back to watch and see what we do with it. He's kind of started the things in motion, and he sits back and just watches. He's, he's a God, he's God, but he's not really involved in the affairs of human beings. Is that what the Bible says? The Bible says that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He does care. He is involved. He does know what's going on. He's not blind and he's not um, unable. He's not disinterested in what happens in our world. My dad, I was the firstborn. And how many firstborns are here? Were you guys the ones that had to kind of set the standard of misbehavior so that the parents were easier on the younger kids? That was my job. I put my parents through the ringer. My dad still blames me for his baldness. Uh, I don't know who I blame. I can't blame mine on my kids. Uh, I blame it on him too. But boy, I put my parents through the ringer. And it's uh, oftentimes I get myself in trouble, need to be rescued. You know, it started when I was four, jumping off a high dive when no one was watching and sitting at the bottom of a pool, having to be rescued. And then college, locking my keys in the car with the car running. My dad driving 45 minutes to bring him to me and rescue me once again. My mom, same thing. It takes sacrifice to step into other people's mess. It takes love to step in to help out someone in need. Christ Jesus left heaven to step in to this really mess. The world's a mess, isn't it? And do you know that nobody really knows how to fix the economy? Nobody really knows how to fix the medical system or the educational system or any other government system or whatever. We don't know how to fix this stuff. We know it's not working like it should be, but we don't know what to do. And that's the world that Jesus Christ came into. And he said, I'll show you what to do. I know what to do. You need to be rescued. So Christ Jesus came into the world. Why? He came in to save Sinners. Now, here's a couple of words I want you to remember. Number one, 
word we're going to make simple tonight, and that's the word sinner. Because again, it's one of those words that it has some, a lot of background, a lot of history to it. It's not a simple word to define, but I'm going to try to make it as simple as I can. If you like to take notes and you have Bibles, if you don't, write on your hand to deviate, to deviate. That's simply what sin means. It means to deviate, to get off the path. That means there's a path to be on. There's a right way, a right path. And what happens is every person, the Bible says everybody, has deviated from it. Some of us have done it purposely and intentionally. Others, unintentionally. Like, I I took my dog for a walk just before I came here tonight. My dog, Buster, he's a good dog. He hangs out with me. We go walk on the path together. But then he smells something. And boom, he's gone. And then he comes back on the path. And then he sees something over there. Boom, he goes that way. And then he comes back. And we're so much like that. We're going along okay. And then we deviate this way. And we get into some kind of sin over here. It attracts us. It smells good. Or it seems good. Or it seems right. Going to chase that dream over there. Going to chase that lifestyle down this direction and some of us are still we have never made it back to the path to sin to be a sinner is to have deviated from the path of god have wandered off gone astray and that's what makes sense when you look then at the word to save because he came in to save sinners right so I hope there are some sinners to save. Are there any sinners in here that need to be saved or that have been saved? I mean, because if there's no sinners, because we're all good people, then he might as well just have stayed in heaven, right? It'd kind of be a pointless trip if nobody, if everybody was doing it just right. Are there any perfect people here tonight? <laughs> you just lied, so now you're not perfect anymore. So. <laughs> we we know it at the core, even though we try. You know, Paul said, wretched man that I am. The things I don't want to do, that's what I do. The things I, I want to do, I don't do it. And we recognize, you know, we make, an intent, we, we make a vow in our heart. And we, we try to be better, but we fail at it, don't we? We get off the path. We can't keep it straight. So to be saved literally means to be found. That's all it is. To be saved is to be found. This was the object of Jesus' mission, lost ones. To find them. It also means by way of implication to be missing or, and in conjunction with that, to get destroyed. So when you are hiking in the woods and you get off the path and you get lost, you lose your way, you don't know where you are, can you save yourself? No. You sit there and you have to try to just stay alive till the rescuers come. That's your goal when you get lost. And the farther lost you get, And the more you try to keep going, the worse it gets, the more lost you become. And we do, we have all kinds of stuff to not get lost. We got GPS and MapQuest, and sometimes that stuff just gets us lost. To be lost means to be in danger of death, doesn't it? We know that. Let me read you a little story about a young man. Maybe you heard this story when it came out on the news. His name is Joshua Robb. Lost child found is the title here. More than 27 hours after he slipped through a fence opening and bolted from a schoolyard, searchers on Tuesday located a severely autistic eight-year-old boy whose disappearance had galvanized the mountain communities and riveted TV viewers across Southern California. Joshua Robb was found at 2.27 p.m. in the woods, approximately one mile northwest of Grandview Elementary School, authorities said. He came out of a thicket and said, thank you 
you saved me. Twin Peaks Sheriff Lieutenant Rick Ells said, describing Joshua's encounters with members of the rescue team uh, from the Sheriff's Department, San Bernardino Mountain Search and Rescue. The department spokesperson, Jody Miller, said the four foot six, 70 pound boy was in good condition, though he reportedly has some cuts and bruises. Uh, team 34, the team that rescued him, uh, had spotted his shirt wet and wadded into a ball at 12.50 p.m. They photographed the shirt and showed it to members of the boy's family. They identified it as his. The tracking team then continued on, following his shoe prints for about a mile and a half and calling out his name. A little more than an hour and a half later, they found him tired and slightly dehydrated. The team members gave food and water to the boy, carried him to a clearing where Sheriff's Air Rescue 6 lowered a medic to assess his condition. He was then hoisted to the helicopter, flown to a medical center for observation. He was later reunited with his relieved parents at the hospital. He was tired, but not seriously injured. Had he stayed in the woods much longer, he'd been in danger of, of dying, of being lost, perishing. And, you know, all these things as we talk about being lost, we know Jesus used those terms as he told uh, the story of the, the lost lamb and the lost coin and the lost son all in Luke chapter 15, the lost chapter. And it shows us the heart of God. Look, folks, tonight you have to know this. God, you, you didn't find him. He found you. And he is on a tremendous search and rescue mission. Matter of fact, the Bible says he is the captain of my salvation. Not only did he initiate the rescue operation for my life, he headed it up, he flew the helicopter, he dropped the line down when he found me, he climbed down to me, picked me up, brought me back up into the helicopter, and then he was the doctor at the hospital that patched me back up and nourished me. He's the nutritionist, he's the medic, he's the pilot, he is everything, he is my hero. Because 17 years ago, I was lost. I'd got off track. Uh, things in the world had led me astray. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what was right, what was wrong. I didn't know which path was right. My friends were going one path. I tried that one. My other friends go a different path. I just didn't know which way to go. And I was lost. And I knew I was lost. And Jesus knew I was lost. And he cares about one sheep that's lost. And maybe tonight one of you are, are that sheep. And you know that you know that you've gotten off the path. You know you're on the wrong path. And tonight I want to assure you that Jesus has been since eternity past searching for you. And he came into this world not to find the church in general. He came into this world to save sinners individually and specifically you and me. That is a remarkable... He didn't come to condemn sinners. Imagine if Jesus flew the helicopter over where you were lost and said, boy, that's a terrible thing you've done. I can't believe you got so lost. Well, I'll tell you what, maybe I'll throw you a map and then you can try to rescue yourself. He didn't come to condemn sinners. He didn't come to cheer you on so that you can rescue yourself either. Jesus didn't come to make good people better. He didn't come to make unhappy people happy. That would make him a clown. And you can't call my Savior a clown. He's, he is my rescuer and my hero. Now, let me just finish this up. There's a faithful saying worthy of everybody's acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world 
on this rescue mission to save sinners. Paul said, of whom I am the chief of all sinners. Now, what made Paul the chief? He describes himself like this. I was a blasphemer. I mean, I slandered people. I, I was no I had trash mouth. I was a persecutor. I chased people down. I harassed them. And I was an insolent man. He was a violent man. That's what it means to be off the path. If you find yourself engaged in some immoral behavior, pride, covetousness, greed, all those things, hypocrisy, all of those things are part of being a lost sheep. And you have to know that Jesus isn't upset at you for that. He hates sin, but he loves you. And he's not going to condemn you for being lost. He just wants to save you. That's what he wants. He wants to find you. He wants you to call out for him. Well, let's finally get where we're going with this. He came into the world to save sinners, Paul said, of whom I am the chief. And he says, however, for this reason, I obtained mercy. This is why God saved me. This is why God rescued me, that in me first, Jesus Christ might show his patience as a pattern for everyone who's going to believe in the future. You see, we don't know how good of a rescuer Jesus is. I mean, so he comes on the mission, that's fine. But maybe he can only rescue people that aren't that lost. And Paul proves to us that he can rescue people that are really, really lost in the deepest, darkest jungles of sin. In the deepest, darkest darkest habits and ungodly lifestyles. Jesus Christ can reach right in there and pull you out. But here's the thing. When you are lost, do you sit silent and pretend you're not lost? Or or do you just kind of go, well, I don't want anybody to know I'm lost, so I can't say anything. I'm just going to sit here and be quiet because I can't tell anybody. I mean, I'd be embarrassed if people knew I was lost. Do you want to die there or do you want to be saved? If you want to be saved, then you start yelling, help, help. And the Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. And if you are smart and if you are lost, you cry out for help. And you expect that your Savior will be there to rescue you. Now, tonight, all kinds of different folks in this room, and many of you already know the Lord, already confessed, just as Paul, if you, can't, if you don't know you're lost, we, then you can't be saved. The first thing is just to know that you're lost. And then to know that Buddha didn't come to save you. Muhammad didn't come to save you. Oprah Winfrey didn't come to save you. I didn't come to save you. Jesus Christ was born in a manger in Bethlehem to save you, to live a life, to be your rescuer. Now, the joy, the joy. Listen to Joshua's parents. When they learned he had been found safely, the parents were both relieved and overjoyed. He expressed his thanks for the community's involvement in the search and said uh, he believes Joshua ran from school to find his parents. Search and rescue teams from four counties as well as dozens of citizens had joined the hunt for the boy and the bloodhounds from as far away as Murrieta participated in the search. On Tuesday, Ells said 65 searchers, four dogs, and two helicopters were deployed to find this young man. And if that's one young man, and that's how the world searches for a lost young man, how do you think God searches 
for a lost soul, for that one lamb. Don't you know heaven rejoices? God as a father, when one lamb that's been lost is found, when one coin, when one son who's gone astray returns home, don't you know God rejoices over that? God rejoices over that. Listen to this. One tactic the searchers used to attract Joshua's attention was playing music and a recording of his father's voice. And tonight, as I read the word of God, what you're hearing is not my voice, but you're hearing the voice of God. He's saying to you, come unto me. Come unto me. Now, restore to to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. I'm going to invite the young folks to come up with Tom. Where's Tom? Tom, why don't you bring the kids up here? They're going to sing a song for us. But while they're coming up, I'm going to ask you to try to just give me your attention for one more minute up here. Because here's what I think. I think you've forgotten that you needed to be rescued. And I think that that's why many of us have lost the joy of our salvation. And the joy also, church, of other people's salvation. If Jesus is not condemning people, should we be condemning them? Somebody say no. Thank you. Making sure we're still away. You're all looking at the kids. I understand. If you can just get in your mind that picture of you being rescued, of you being lost, and just that feeling of being saved and how good it feels, I think you will understand what it means to have the joy of being saved. Mary's wonderful. Joseph a man of integrity. Herod almost tried to, tried to ruin Christmas. The manger, not a great place to be born. The innkeeper, all of those things. Folks, Christ Jesus came to do what? To save sinners. He came to save sinners. He came to rescue people that had deviated from the path. So we'll have a closing time in just a minute. Right now, one of the first things that happens is when you get saved and when you know someone who's, who's in that business of saving, you want to tell people. Because you go and you find lost people. Once you've been saved, you go, man, I've got to help find other people that are lost. And these kids are going to sing to you uh, about going and, and telling it on the mountains. And then Phil's going to have all of us join in after they're done. So Phil will cue you on that. Amen, amen. Uh, Merry Christmas to you guys once again. Um, There are probably a lot of you that already uh, know what it means to have been lost. You remember those lost days and you know the joy of having been found. And as we go out tonight, just on the outside chance that there are some here that um, are still just aware of their lostness and their need to be rescued, if that's you... I'll be up here afterwards while people file out uh, uh, after the service finally closes while we pray. Uh, then just come on up and see me. I think no better time of year to be saved than Christmas time. No better honor to the rescuer than to be rescued. And for some of you, today may be the day of salvation. So uh, let's pray and give God thanks for, for the joy of our salvation. Lord, once again, we just remember you. Uh, I'm reminded that you are truly our hero, our rescuer, the one who has found us while we were uh, yet sinners. You died for us. You cleaned us up. You restored us. 
And Lord, I pray that the joy that we have in our life would reflect that very truth. That we were lost people that have been found. We were dying people that have been discovered and rescued. And Lord, I pray for any soul in here tonight that has been a prodigal, that has wandered away off the path, that tonight you might touch their heart. And all of us prayed and gave thanks in Jesus' name, real loud. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas.